just, you guys, we are so blessed. Believers Chapel, we are so blessed. They work so hard and they're so gifted and they truly use it for the Lord. And it's just, man, we have to, we have to love being in his presence, church. We've got to love worship and not just worship, worship, but love worshiping God. There's a difference. There's certain people who just love worship. They love to worship worship. Well, that's an idol. We want to worship God and love worshiping God. And what it is to truly be into his presence, what it is to know God is moving, and what it is to call on the name of Jesus, to know that there is a God response when we cry out the name of Jesus. Church, we love our times in his presence. I love our times together on a Sunday as we gather as the church together in our assembly, in our congregation, on our Sunday morning to just be in his presence. It's special, man. It's beautiful. And I'm so excited to celebrate God with you guys. It's awesome. It's awesome. Man, invite somebody to church. We're excited about, about getting through our summer. God has been good to us during the summer. And, uh, you know, we're excited about what's coming up for September and October and November and getting into the fall season and just different things taking place in the fall. Invite people to church. We live in a region, man. People need Jesus. People need Jesus. And man, we just want to reach as many people as possible with the gospel, with the good news, what it is to know God and that God knows you and what it is to repent from sin and turn to God because God loves you, because God sent his son for you. It's powerful. It's powerful. It's powerful. And we're excited about what God is doing here. Come on, for you turn with me, please, to, to Romans 12. I didn't go here in the first service. Romans 12, Galatians 2. It's, it's great because I was already going to Romans 12, and then Brendan uh, talks about living our, our bodies as a, as a sacrifice, and it just even in the, just the prayer in that moment. And I, I want you to see something in Romans 12, and, and I was turning here before Brendan even prayed that. And I just want you to see this from Romans 12 and then Galatians 2, and then we'll get into Esther 3. That's about as far as we're going to go. I was trying to go a lot of places in this first, in this first service of this series. The series is called Do Hard Things. Do Hard Things. Church, what is it as a believer that you and I are called to do hard things? And there's consequences if you know that you're called to do hard things. There's consequences if you don't do them. There's also consequences if you do do them. And you know God has given you an assignment and you know that God has got you in, into this beautiful place of an assignment that you know that God, this is a hard thing. And you know God is calling you to do a hard thing. So even before we get into this, I want you to think like, have you, have you been in that season where God has called you to do a hard thing? Not you, not, not, not people, not your, I'm saying God, you know this was a God assignment. And God has called you to do a hard thing. You see, church, when you realize, no, I am a new creature in Christ. No, I belong to him. No, I have repented from my sin. I know that I belong to a holy God as a son or a daughter. He's adopted me. But in that, man, there is a shift. Watch this. When you truly become born again, there is a shift in your spirit that you are now his and you belong to him. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And then in that, that compels us to follow his lead. That compels us that when God gives us an assignment, God knows what he's doing. And we have to follow through with that assignment. Everybody say follow through. Follow through. Come on, one more time, follow through. Follow. Like are we following through with the hard thing that God has called you to? 
And it's simple because it just comes by a decision. See, when God gives you an assignment and you know, okay, God, this is that hard thing, you're either going to say yes or you're going to no. Yes or you're going to say no. It's going to be a yes. Or it, it's amazing because it's up to you. Isn't that amazing? That God's given you an assignment and what we consider do a hard thing. And you have the ability to say no to that. That's crazy. Now watch this, Romans 12, verse one, it says this. And I love that Brendan mentioned this and we're changing things up a little bit for the 11. And it says this, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. I, I love where this is. He says, listen, listen. By the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. To present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. This is what Brennan said. Acceptable to God. Church, what is it when you give up you? Truly, what is it when you say, I'm done with me? I need to give up me. And God, I need to present myself as a living sacrifice to you. Like church, there is the shift. There is the born again. There is the change. There is that when I come to be surrendered to Christ, it's no longer about me. It really becomes about me serving my king. Uh, one of my favorite songs is Savior King, what, what we sang. And it's Jesus, you are my king. And to all to you I owe. I, I give it to you. Jesus, my king. He was always king. The Bible says he is king eternal. That means past and present. He was king when he left heaven. He was king in the manger. He was king before Pilate. He was king on the cross and he sits as king at the right hand of the father. He's always king. He's always been king. But how do we serve our king? And I love this. It says this, that we would present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. This is your spiritual service of worship. Is what? To say, God, I am presenting me to you. I'm all in and I want to be acceptable to you. Church, there has to be, I believe today that there has to be a shift in the church of Christ, the church as a whole, to say, I'm done making life about me. It needs to be about Jesus. And I need a shift in my spirit to say, God, I need to present myself as a living sacrifice to you, which would be acceptable to you. Watch this, which is my spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this. Do not take the form of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. What is good, acceptable, and perfect. Do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed. There is a change that must take place in our minds when we come to the reality to say, I am called to do hard things. And when you've given up on you and you depend completely on him to say, my life is now for you, it's easier to do the hard things. 
because you begin to live for your leaving. You begin to know there's a day that I get to stand before my king. There's a day that I will give an account to the assignments that he's given me, the ones that are hard that I follow through with, the ones that are difficult, the ones that I said yes to, that I'm following through with them. There's a day that I want it to be acceptable to him because I have presented myself as a holy living sacrifice, that which is acceptable to him. Church, this is the game of what it is to do hard things. Come on, when we understand that the Bible says you will be faithful, you have to be faithful in little before you're faithful in much. What what does that really mean to say, God, I'm going to be faithful in the little things before I am faithful in the big things. If God, watch this now, if God has given you that little hard thing to do, ask for forgiveness. Love your enemy. Give. These could be little things. I mean, God is like, no, you need to forgive that person. God, I don't like that person. No, you need to forgive that person. Yeah, but God, I know, God, you know all things and you know this person is evil. You know what this person did to me. Yes, I know what that person did to you and I'm asking you to forgive that person because that's what the Bible says and that's a little thing, but it can be a very hard thing and if you don't do that hard thing, then you're the one in bondage. There's consequence to not doing the hard thing. God's calling you to give. And maybe that's a hard thing. God's calling you to love your enemy. I love this one. It could be a little thing, but it's a big thing. Maybe God's calling you to just shut up. Hey, gossip, shut your mouth. Hey, you slanderer, you should probably shut up. Like gossip can be contagious and gossip can be a habit. And when you start to gossip and you start to be a slander and God is like, no, you need to stop slandering and you need to stop gossiping. And that could be, if you are not faithful in the little things, when God gives you that life or death assignment to do the hard thing, you will not be ready. You will not be ready. But first it starts with Romans 12 to say, God, I am presenting myself to you as a living and holy sacrifice, that it would be acceptable to you. And this is my service of worship. And I am not going to be conformed to the ways of this world. I'm going to think different. I'm going to act different. I'm going to talk different. I'm not going to take the form of this world. And the way I'm not going to do that is I am going to be transformed, that metamorphosis. I'm going to be changed by what? The cleansing or the renewing of my mind. I will think differently that I am now God's and I belong to him and I've surrendered myself and I have surrendered my will and I have surrendered my mind and I have, watched this, I have surrendered my way. Because we all like to do it our way. Until you read Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says it's not about your way. <laughs> it's about you and your acceptable service of worship to say it's time for me to present myself to you. Come on, Galatians 2, please. And we'll get to Esther in a minute. We spoke on Esther in the first service and we'll get there. Because we're doing a series called Do Hard Things and we're going to go through um, several different characters. And I had three set up for today and we got to one. So <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the one eventually. Come on. First Second Corinthians, Galatians 2, chapter, or chapter 2, verse 20. You know this verse. You've memorized this verse. You understand this verse. And it's just simple. It says this, I have been crucified with Christ. 
Watch this, watch this, highlight this, underline this. It is no longer I who live. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I have been crucified to Christ and it is no longer I who live. So church, what happens when you just simply get this one sacrifice verse that it says no longer I who live, but there's a switch, there's a change that takes place. It's now Christ who lives in me. So, so before we can get to what it really looks like to do hard things, we have to realize it's not about me. We have to realize if I'm truly born again, I take Galatians 2.20 for what it really says, for I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. This life that I now live, right? So there is this old is gone and new has come and I'm a new creature in Christ. This life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So are you there? Are you a, a Romans 12? Are you a Galatians 2 born again believer in Christ to say, that's not about me. And therefore, when I get that, ha, then I can start buying into God's calling me to do hard things. God's calling me to do hard things. Come on, turn to the book of Esther, please. Old Testament, book of Esther. Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs. Find Psalms, it's a really big book. Turn left. Esther chapter three. This is an, a phenomenal story of a young woman. And we're gonna go through men and women of scripture that did hard things. Today, we're going to cover Esther, Gideon, and John the Baptist. Um, that didn't go well in the first service. We're going to cover Esther today. And we'll, we'll, we'll be in this series for a little bit. But this is what I want, man. I want from this series, truly. I want from this series that there is just something changed and challenged in your spirit to say, listen, I am tired of being the wimpy church. I'm tired of being the sissies. I'm tired of the ones hiding in the shadows. It's time for God to call me out and say, it's time to do hard things. Like I, this is what I want for us as a church that you know what it is to be unashamed. You know what it is to stand firm on God's word. You know what it is to go to battle and fight for what is right. You understand that when we stand on truth and there's something gonna change in us over the course of this series that you will be ready to do hard things. Watch this, at all costs. Whatever it takes, I'm ready to do hard things. I am not called to fear. I'm not called to anxiety. I'm not called to worry. I'm called on God that God will walk me through. And I know that I'm doing God's assignment. And in that, that is a hard thing. And in that, there is blessing and there is honor to know. Watch this. Even if it costs you your life to know, I stand before God one day with full honor intact to know I did what he called me to do. That's John the Baptist's story. We'll get to that maybe next week. But today we're going to see the reality of what it was. If Esther didn't do the hard thing, there would have been a cost. There would have been a grave cost to her not doing the hard thing. When you look at Esther, there's just this amazing unfolding Drama, Like this is like when you read through the story, this is a true account of what took place. And you, you see this take place with King Assyrius and he's got Queen Vesti, 
he, he didn't treat Queen Vesti very well and wanted to put her on display, so to speak. Queen Vesti's like, I am not for display. Uh, ticked the king off. The king kicked her out of the castle. And now the king goes on this amazing show, maybe you've seen it, called Bachelor, <laughs> where he's like, okay, go find all the hot, sexy women and bring them to the palace. This is legit. Go find all the hot, sexy women, bring them to the palace, and we're going to do ourselves a little contest. And the winner, what a privilege, gets to be my queen. Like, this was the beginning of The Bachelor, right? Maybe they took it from this story. True story. This is what happens, right? The king says, okay, bring all the virgins in, bring all the young women in, and let's go through this contest, get them beautiful, put the makeup on, do what you got to do, get them ready. And then all of a sudden, there's this young woman named Esther that caught the king's attention. And Esther's a part of this whole beauty contest. And you can see God's favor on Esther's life from the very beginning of this journey. God's favor on Esther. God's favor of beauty on Esther. God favored her with the right eunuch to come in and take care of Esther. God favored her in that. God blessed her in that. And then when it came her time to go into the king, God blessed her in favor with the king. And the king's like, ah, that one. I want that one. This is the one I want. Now listen, there's a couple players in this. You got Esther, she's, she's a good girl. You've got King Assyrius, he's kind of a bad guy. He's not a good king. But in this story, he works for us, right? He's not a good king. You've got Haman, the king's right-hand man, really bad guy. Haman's a turd, man. He's just a bad dude, right? He's not good, he's arrogant, he's prideful, thinks too highly of himself. Er, Haman's a bad guy. And then you've got Mordecai. Mordecai's a good guy. Mordecai, Esther, cousins, good guys. King Assyrius, he's, he's kind of neutral in this, but he's not a good king. He's a bad guy. But he favored Queen Esther, all God's plan. And then you've got the bad guy, Haman. Four main characters for this book. So here now she sits as queen. And Mordecai gave her some great advice. He's like, listen, in the beginning of this whole thing, you can't let him know that you're Jewish. Don't let them know your heritage. So then we begin to see where Haman, the bad guy, he hates Mordecai, the good guy, because Mordecai is a God-fearing Jew. He loves God Almighty. He has a reverence for God. He knows, he knows what it is to fear God and bow to no one other than God. And Mordecai, being placed second in command, he thought that he should be like, hailed as second in command and that everybody is going to bow down to Haman. He got the king to sign off on this. King sends a law. Hey, everyone has to bow down to Haman. He's second in command. And Mordecai says, nope, not doing it. You ever have that person in your life that they just, they just get under your skin? Like you see them and you're bothered, right? Again, forgive. But anyways, you know, <laughs> do the hard thing. But like, but they just, it's just, we're, we're human. It was just like, oh, that person again, you're in, you're in the grocery store, they're in one aisle and you're not going down that aisle. If you go down that aisle, you know, the soup cans are flying. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that one person that gets under your skin, right? Mordecai was that for Haman. Haman was prideful. He was arrogant. He hated, hated Mordecai because he would not bow down to him. Mordecai says, I'm not bowing down to him. Bow down to me. I'm not bowing down to him. And every time he would see him, he wouldn't do it. So be, watch this now, because of jealousy, because of hatred for one man who was Jewish, Haman goes to the king, and we're going to pick it up in chapter 3, verse 8. This is where we pick this up. Haman, came, Haman 
said to King Assyrius, there is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the peoples in all the providences of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of all other people. They do not observe the king's laws, the law being bowed down to me. That was Haman's big concern here. Watch this, here it is. So it is not in the king's interest to let them remain. Isn't it amazing that Haman's telling what the king's interest is? Hey, sir, this isn't in your interest that these people should live. That, that's what it means, that they shouldn't remain. When someone says you shouldn't remain, that means you shouldn't breathe, right? So Haman's before the king going, there's these group of people. There's a specific people. They've got different laws. They're not following your laws. These guys are problematic for the kingdom. I think that it's in your best interest, right? It's in your best interest, king, that they no longer remain. Watch this. Not that they're kicked out. Not that they're called to remove themselves from the kingdom. But no, they need to cease breathing. And it says that if it pleases the king, let it be a decree on that they be destroyed, right? That they be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who carry on the king's business to put into the king's treasuries. Then the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman and, and the enemy of the Jews. And then the king says to go through this, let's pick it up. Verse 13, it says this. Letters were sent by carriers to the king's providences. I want you to see this big deal. Well, maybe you've seen the VeggieTales version of this, right? VeggieTales has cucumbers and tomatoes and they're cute and they dance. Um, this is a little bit different. This is a real story and it could get ugly really quick. Look at what the plan was. Letters were sent by couriers in all the king's providences to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate. Just three kind of big words. To destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all the Jews. Watch this. Young, old, women, children in one day. Because Mordecai wouldn't bow down to Haman. The arrogance of Haman. The pride of Haman. The hate of Haman the jealousy of Haman, that in one day, king, I got an idea. How about this? Let's do one day. Give me the signet ring and I'll seal the deal. And when the signet ring hits the paper, it is irreversible. You cannot change it. Signet ring of the king meant this is the way that it will be. And the king himself couldn't reverse it, that all of the women and all of the children, and that means pregnant women, and that means babies, and that means infants, and that means children, and that means men, and that means boys, and of all of the Jews to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated in one day of slaughter. This is the story. This is the story of Esther. Because you imagine that, you being a Jew, and all of a sudden all these letters start being distributed and you're reading this, this truly, it's called a death warrant, right? You're leading, reading this warrant, go, wait a minute, I'm of this region of Susa and uh, I'm a part of this. You mean on this specific day, I have to just sit and wait to be destroyed. You, you mean, I know the day's coming. I know that it's coming in the future and I just have to sit here and allow you to slaughter my wife, slaughter my baby, slaughter my children, slaughter my brother. You mean, you mean on this day? 
I'm not allowed to fight back. This is what the king's decree was. So you could imagine if you're reading this death warrant that it would call quite the stir. That there'd be a lot of commotion and crazy and chaos around this death warrant. And we see that. I want you to pick it up in chapter four, verse one. Then Mordecai learned that all had been done. This is Esther's cousin. He tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city and he wailed loudly and bitterly. And he went as far as the king's gate for no one was to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in each and every providence where the command and the decree of the king came, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and wailing and many lay on sackcloth and ashes. Could you again get the scene? This is family after family. This is household after household. This is God's chosen people in this region that in one day you're supposed to stand there and get slaughtered and you're not allowed to fight back. This is the story. Then Esther's maidens and her eunuchs came and told her and the queen withered in great anguish. And she sent garments to clothe Mordecai that he might remove his sackcloth from him, but did not accept them. Then Esther summoned Hattach and the king's eunuchs whom the king had appointed to attain her, to attend her. And he ordered him to go to Mordecai and to learn what, was, what, what this was and why it was. Like, I love it. She's like, what is this and why is this? Where did this come from? Like the queen who's Jewish, she wants to figure this out, going, hey, what happened? I'm, I'm just sitting in the palace and she doesn't know. Isn't that amazing? She's in the palace. It came from the palace. It came from her husband. And she's like, what? Where did this come from? Who set this up? Church, when you dig into this, it's amazing to me that Esther didn't know anything about this. She's just sitting in the palace. And she's like, what? The decree is what? When did this go out? Who sent this out? That's amazing. And then you see this amazing exchange between Mordecai and Esther. And Haddock is kind of like, he's kind of in the middle of this thing, right? He's like the messenger boy, right? He's the one who's trying to interpret this. And, 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 and then Esther summoned Haddock, Haddich to the, the king's eunuch and goes through this whole thing. And then so Haddish went out to Mordecai to the city square in the front of the king's gate. Verse seven, Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay the king's treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the death warrant. So, hey, you got to show this to Esther. This is exactly what is written. This is how it's written. This is exactly what it says. And then he says this. He also gave a copy of the text, the edict, which has been issued in Susa for the destruction that he might show Esther and inform her, watch this, and to order her to go into the king to implore or to beg his favor 
and a plead with him for her people. Esther, now is the time. Esther, it's time to reveal who you really are. It's time to reveal that you are of the Jewish descent. Esther, now's the time. Hey, Haddish, you've got to go in and you've got to tell Esther that it's right now. Now's the time that you've got to say, hey, hey, husband, king, um, I'm Jewish, which means you're going to wipe me out, which means you're going to wipe out my people, which means you're going to wipe out my family. I love where Mordecai is like, listen, go in and seek the favor. Like you've had favor of God here in the beginning and you've had favor of God here to get into the palace and you've had favor of God here to be the one chosen by the king. And now, now guess what? Guess what, Esther? It's time. You need to go in and you need to beg for your people. Esther, it's time to do the hard thing. Reveal who you really are. Let them know that you're of the Jewish descent. Let them know. King, I get it. You, you put your ring on this. I've seen the paperwork. Which means she couldn't escape from it. Without the king knowing it, he signed his queen's death warrant. She would have had to have been slaughtered. That's crazy. The king had no idea. And as bad as the king was, he loved Esther. He had favor towards Esther. He had no idea that he signed her death warrant because he allowed his king's ring signature to be on that death warrant. That meant she had to go. Could not be reversed. Mordecai's like, hey, Esther, now's the time. You got to let him know who you are. Then Esther hears this and he, she sends Haddish back. Say, you got you to tell Mordecai. And then Esther spoke to Haddish and ordered him to, to go back to Mordecai. Could you imagine Haddish just like in the middle of this and then Hannah goes back to, to Mordecai and says this, all the king's servants and all the people of the king's providence, they know that for any man or woman who comes into the king's inner court, who is not summoned, he has but one law, that they shall be put to death. Unless the king holds out to them the golden scepter so that he may live, I have not been summoned to the king's court for these 30 days. Hey, had it, you got to go relay this to Mordecai. Uh, I'm not allowed in. Like, he's in chambers. It doesn't matter who it is, queen or not, there's one law. If I go in there and he doesn't want me there because I wasn't asked to be there, and if he doesn't show me favor with the golden scepter, there's one law. I'm dead. You, you got to tell Mordecai, hey, does this change anything? I get it. I could go in and tell him who I am, but I could go in and I could die. That's the real story here. She realizes the king is no joke. Even I'm his wife. If I'm not summoned, if he doesn't grant me favor, it doesn't matter who I am. I die. Go back to Mordecai. Hey, is there a plan B? 
I think this is what she's saying. Mordecai, you got to know the rules of the palace. Maybe you don't know the rules of the palace. She said everyone in the, in the palace knows the rules of the palace. Hey, cuz, maybe you don't know the rules of the palace. Here's the rules of the palace. I could go in and I could die. That's the rules. Hey, cuz, is there a plan B? Church, how many times when we know God has called us to do a hard thing? that we start looking for plan B. Truly. What happens when you start looking for plan B? When you know God has called you to do a hard thing. Isn't it amazing the excuses just start coming? Yeah, but. Yeah, but I don't know if you know. Yeah, but everybody else knows. But man, something else happened and that might change the course of this hard thing. Now God, I know that you've called me to this, but did you know? An amazing God, did you, did you know? Really, Sean? Sean, I knew before, before the foundations of the earth, I knew this hard thing for you. Sean, I know you tomorrow. Hey, Sean, guess what? I know the end of this hard thing. That what you don't know. I know the end of this hard thing. I also know the consequences if you don't do this hard thing. So here you got Esther here going, hey, everybody knows, Mordecai. Maybe you don't know. But the rules of the palace are this, that I could die. Go back and tell Mordecai that. Haditch, go back and tell Mordecai that. Maybe she's looking for a plan B. So Mordecai hears this, and then you see verse 13. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. And then you can see that it's beginning to heat up a little bit here. Could you imagine this interpreter? Like, I have had the privilege to go overseas and preach overseas in languages that I cannot speak. I took Spanish for three years and I can speak yo no se, which means I don't know. And my Spanish teacher was not, she loved me, but she didn't like me. When I'm like, yo no se, just kind of smiling. She's like, fail. Anyways, um, so I need an interpreter. And I didn't know if you knew, but I speak fast. And I would ask this true story went to Cuba and I asked the interpreter, you know, I asked somebody for the interpreter, like, hey, how long has she been interpreting? Oh, this is her first time. I'm like, oh, this is gonna, like, I go, I like, I gotta slow it down. And like, we had so much fun with that. She was trying to keep up. Her hands were going crazy. Her, I mean, it was just, it was funny to watch her trying to interpret me for the first time. But you could imagine this, and we had the privilege of speaking at Church on the Beach a few weeks ago, and they had a sign language for Church on the Beach. And I'm like, it's just gonna be fun. I wanna see how fast her hands can go, right? I'm like, I mean, let's do this. Like, I was just like, I juiced it up watching her, her sign language, and she's just, whoa, she's keeping up and doing all things. And it was just like, you know, and I was just like, wow, this is amazing. True story. All said and done, she came over and laid hands on me and said, Young man, I need to pray for your voice. <laughs> she just, that you will always keep your voice and that your voice never gets damaged. I, 
I went to tears because I never want to lose our voice. Could you imagine this interpreter where Mordecai brings it to a different level? Hey, Esther, there's not a plan B. No, 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 no. You got to let her know. There's only one way this thing goes. There's no plan B. Look at his response. He gets a little aggressive here. And he says this. Mordecai told him the reply to Esther. Do not imagine that you and the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. Hey, being pretty in the palace, there was a season for that. You had God's favor. You had God's favor. You had God's favor. Church, isn't it incredible that we see God's favor on our lives and then when God has given you an assignment to do a hard thing, you use that favor against them. Well, God has blessed me so much and his favor's on me. Surely he wouldn't be asking me to do this. What a waste of his favor. Isn't it amazing how we turn it against him? Hey, Esther, there's not a plan B. Don't imagine for a moment that you escape this. Could you imagine Haddish interpreting this with passion? Do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. Watch this, watch this. For if you remain silent at this time, Church, let this ring in your spirit if you remain silent at this time. When you know now's the time, now's the time to speak, now's the time to be vocal, now is not the time to coward back. I will not be afraid, I will not be in fear, I will not be a coward, I will not be a sissy saint, I will not be a some fucking saint, I will get my thumb out of my mouth, and this is the time. If you remain silent at this time, Church, I am tired. I'm tired of the church being so sissy. I'm tired of the church hiding in the shadows. I'm tired of the church trying to be silenced. And here we look at this and say, it's time to do hard things. It's time to do hard things. And Mordecai's like, hey, listen, this is the moment, but if you remain silent at this time, He says relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews. He's talking about the big region of Jews, not around Susa, because then he says this, but you and your father's house will perish. For who knows? Here's the most famous verse of Esther. Who knows? Maybe you've been placed there for such a time as this. God's favor. God's favor. God's favor. God's favor. And then it happens. God gives you an assignment to do a hard thing. And the only, the only way that you're in the position to do the hard thing because God got you there. As if God doesn't know what he's doing. As if God doesn't know what he's doing. you do not do this hard thing 
you and your family and all the Jews in this region are going to perish. Church, there's a consequence to not doing the hard thing. There's a consequence to not doing the hard thing. Esther, I know you're pretty in the palace. And I know you got it made. You're the only one. Could you imagine the weight on Esther's shoulders? Can you, can you imagine the burden for her people? I'm, I'm, I'm the plan. Like I'm it. beautiful switch that takes place. She's like, okay, um, Mordecai, you and your people go fast and pray. I'm going to take me and my people. We're going to fast and pray and I'm going to go in. And then she says this, if I perish, I perish. I get it. Let Mordecai know I get it. This is my time. This is my hour. This is what God's called me to. This is my moment. I'm going to the king. And if I perish, if he doesn't accept me in, I know the law. I know the consequence of going. But I know the consequence of not going. I'm going to take my chance. That God's favor is extended to me going. Where are you in this? Where are you in this? Now, God, I have presented my body a living and holy sacrifice. I pray that it is truly acceptable to you. Now, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who now lives in me in this life. Then I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. God, I'm in. I don't want to look for plan B. Where are you in this? Ezra says, please let Mordecai know I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm going in. I know the risk. I know the consequence. But I know the consequence if I don't. we are called to do the hard thing at all costs life or death and we, we see this beautiful young woman who is in this incredible position of having it all I'm ready to give it all up because I believe God has put me in a specific place at a specific time in a specific moment of history to do the hard thing. To do the hard thing. And she goes in. He extends the golden scepter. She sets up a banquet with him and Haman. And she, she, she goes through this whole story of that, that she is a Jew and there's this plot against her family and her people wipe out and eliminate and king you signed off on it and the king becomes furious in this banquet well who did this she says that evil Haman 
who's standing right there. Put yourself in his shoes just for a moment, right? Like she just totally, totally cast, brought the whole light to this whole craziness that now Haman didn't know she was a Jew. Now Haman's figuring out going, oh, this isn't going to go well. And he ends up hanging on a, a gallow. And when you see the, the truth of the signet ring, the king wasn't allowed to just say, cancel the order. Hey, rip up the death warrant. We're good. Totally a mistake. Haman had a bad plan. I can't kill my queen. I'm just changing my mind. Like that couldn't happen. Mordecai became second in command and the king gave Mordecai the ring and there was a new decree. The, the first one still was intact. The second one had to be written to say, okay, Jews, you have the right to defend yourself. I mean, when you think about this, you're like, couldn't it just been canceled? No. No, fight for yourself. No, fight for your family. No, fight for your children. Fight for your wife. Like, the, the, the second degree go out, there is still that one day. On the 12th day of, of, of that, that, the 13th day of that 12th month, which actually comes out to March 7th, 473 BC. It's an actual real day. That one day, March 7th, 473 BC, that one day, there is going to be a battle and there is going to be a fight and there is going to be those who are following through with this decree to take out all of the Jews. Second degree, stand by the king. Say, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. No, fight back. No, I've heard my queen. I've given her favor. She's begged me and I've re responded to it. That now even on that one day, fight back. And the slaughter was great in, in Mordecai's favor and in the people's favor. God's chosen people had victory and triumph because one woman did the hard thing. She didn't turn to plan B. She wasn't thinking of herself. She was willing to sacrifice herself to do the hard thing. The God-given assignment. Come on, just bow your heads, please. Katie's going to sing. And I just want you to stay seated. And I want to ask you, man, what is that hard thing? Come on, do you know what it is? And maybe it's been tough. And maybe it's been a difficult road. And maybe you know, God, you're calling me to this. You're calling me to this. You're calling me to this. And maybe this morning is that morning that, that in your spirit, you, you agree to it in your spirit. You do it in your spirit. You're like, okay, such a time as this. Okay, if I don't do it now, I know that you're pressing me. God, I know that it's maybe a little thing. Maybe it is to agree to God's plan for you. Maybe it is to go and ask for forgiveness. Maybe it is to stop gossiping and slander and ask for forgiveness. Maybe it, maybe it is it's time to give. You know God's commanded you. Like whatever that looks like for you, little things obey his voice when it says it's time because if you cower out on the little things you're never going to be ready for the big things and if you know God has called you to a specific place at a specific time follow through there's consequences if you don't consequences if you don't. 
If you're holding on to a relationship and a dating relationship, you know you got to let it go and you don't, there's consequences to that. Do you believe God knows your future? Maybe you know God's calling you to a different job and you're holding on to the one you got. Do you believe God knows your future? Yeah, but man, this is hard. I know I've been there. I loved what I loved to do this, which I love. But God knew. God knew. I don't have to know it all. I just need to follow. Sometimes it's doing the hard thing. Because if you don't, there's consequences. Come on, as Katie sings, I just want you to sit in this and soak in this and begin to ask God, God, what have I tried to go to plan B for? If anyone needs prayer for any reason when she's done, man, we'd love to pray with you up front here. Come on.